Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I remember how it used to be. The phone's ringing off the hook. Clients are coming in the front door like crazy. And here comes little technician Timmy. Timmy comes up and he says, hey boss, where's my part? Where you want me to go next? What you want me to do? Gosh, Timmy, if I knew, I'd tell you, buddy, but I am covered up. All of that stopped when I found Shopware. With Shopware, you get an industry-leading expediter right there in the software. It tells you if your parts are here, where your technician should go next, and how much time they have left to complete the jobs in the day. Go to GetShopware.com to learn more. GetShopware.com. I've been a shop owner for, it'll be 17 years this year. Wow. Wow. And I know a lot of shop owners, but I don't know a whole bunch of shop owners like the shop owners that are here at these events. Yeah. Hey, everybody. David here, and welcome to the ASOG Podcast. Recorded live from Vision High Tech Training and Expo in Kansas City, Lucas and I are joined by Taylor Wilson the owner of Velocity Auto Care in Lamarck, Texas. Taylor is a shop owner of 17 years but was experiencing vision for the very first time. Get his take on what it's like as well as the challenges in building a brand new shop and his advice to new and aspiring shop owners. Before we get started, make sure you have a set to automatically download the latest episode on your favorite podcast listening app and make sure you check out our content on YouTube. And now, here we go. So, uh, what's up, dude? Nada. Man, having a good time. What do you think so far? Is it your first time here? This is my first time. Yep. Have you ever been to a trade show like this before? No. No. So this is your first everything. First yeah. everything, yeah. Wow. That's yeah. pretty cool. So what? what's your takeaway? Well, you know. Make uh, sure it's deep and insightful. <laughs> if it isn't, then it, this is a waste of time. <laughs> Why do you put people on the spot like that? He's like, um. I, got a, I, I think I got a little bit of an insightful answer. Um, I've been in this industry a long time, mm-hmm. and I've been a shop owner for, it'll be 17 years this year. Wow. wow. And I know a lot of shop owners, but I don't know a whole bunch of shop owners like the shop owners that are here yeah. at these events. Yeah. So even friends that I like and respect, I still don't know if, well, some of them do, but a lot of them are just kind of stuck in their ways and they're not seeking out. Yeah. Kind of like on the downslope riding the curve out, you know? Yeah. 
Yep. So um, tell us a little bit about your business. You've been in business 17 years. Tell us a little bit about it. All right. I'll give you a little little personal history. Uh, I was, at least I was told, I was the youngest certified stereo installer that they had ever seen. Wow. I think I had just turned 14. My mom drove me to the testing center, and I'm there with a bunch of guys that work at Circuit City and stuff. Right. Uh that's a blast on the past. Circumstances. Yeah, I know, right. That's a, that's kind of I'm aging myself with that, uh, <laughs> that info there. But uh, it was uh, '94, I think, and I w- thought I was going to be a stereo installer. And I, what I was doing is I could go to work when I was 15. So I'm like, I'm going to go. I'm going to get certified. Mm-hmm. But no stereo shop wants to give 15 year old a job. Yeah. yeah. So I did stuff for family and friends, uh, alarms and stereos. And then at 15, I ended up getting a job for a mobile mechanic as a helper. Right. And uh, worked for him for a summer. Mm-hmm. And then got a job working at a local shop. And surprisingly, uh, you know, at uh, after I turned 16, I got a job working at a shop. And they thought it was great because I knew how 12-volt systems worked. I knew how relays worked. I could, right. you know, test basic electrical stuff and they're like man this kid's a freaking genius yeah. you know mm-hmm. at 16 so that's i worked through high school doing that right i went to college this is the stupidest thing i ever did probably i was a math major <laughs> in college and uh i worked part-time through college at a, a local shop in that yeah. town and uh dropped out after two years and went full-time as a technician Right. And uh, went and worked a few places. And then at 25, I decided it was time to go for it and opened my own shop. At 25, I had a partner. The partner, uh, after two years, I mean, he was great, but he had a family to support. Right. And opening yeah. a shop is not easy to support a family. So I bought his half out, and that was, I think, 2007. Maybe that happened. So since then, I've been the sole owner of right. my shop. It's kind of like uh, Richard Campbell says. He's like, you want to know how to become a multimillionaire uh, owning uh, or a millionaire owning tow trucks? I said, how? He said, uh, start with two or three. <laughs> you know, you need a couple million to get there. Yeah, get, yep, yep. <laughs> Just knock you out. Um, so uh, you, you've been the technician. You've been the owner. You joined ASOG, what? It's been a- pretty recently, yeah. not not a real long time ago. Right? Yeah, so maybe to give you all a little lead up into kind of where I started seeking out a little bit more information um, for my shop, I, uh, I've i been running my shop for long enough where we make money, we're doing fairly well, we're re- well-respected, and I just kind of, I kind of went out and ventured out i opened a gym i'm 50 50 partners in a gym right i started getting into like investing in some real estate and i i kind of was almost i don't want to say losing interest in my shop but it was kind of on you know just on autopilot and i mean i was still there every day but i just you know i was looking at other other areas to Right. to expand and to right. challenge me and stuff like that. So I got into some of those other areas and started looking at, you know, 
taking classes, learning about these other things, and it kind of almost brought me back. Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. Back to my shop because I'm like looking at all this targeted marketing that we're doing on the gym and these different things. And I'm like, man, I could apply a couple of these things. And then I'm looking at, you know, real estate development and some of these other things that I was doing. And I was like, man, you know, I need to maybe do something, you know, expand my shop and do some different things there. And, and I kind of almost, those other things almost inspired me to get back in my shop and really, you know, see its potential and start yeah. pushing and learning and learning some things that we could do. And so that's one of the reasons I started seeking out Facebook groups, talking to various business coaches and just kind of started really digging in like, okay, how, how far can we take this thing? I kind of, right left it by the wayside as, you know, hey, it's it's making me an income, but this is a, but I mean, I need to go elsewhere if I really want to do something. And it kind of brought, doing those other things almost brought me back to it. Right, right. And Interesting. Yeah, that is pretty cool. So are you still as active in the other things now, or are you really focused hardcore on the shop? Or well, you- I, you know, I have a partner in the gym, and he runs the gym, the day-to-day operations, and he so he does all the hard work there. Right. I chip in a little bit here and there on the back end and things like that. Um, the gym business sucks right now. There's a right. pandemic, and every time we get our legs back under us, it's the new variant. And, yeah. You it know, just whatever. Slams so it. Yeah. It's been that business has been really tough. Uh, but he, you know, handles that. But I also have some properties that I manage and things like that. But I don't, uh, I spend 90% of my effort focusing on the shop. Right. So let me ask you this because I'm, I'm the guy who I like, we were talking about in a podcast earlier. I really like problem solving and improving mm-hmm. and I like to see the small improvements, right? Yeah. It doesn't even have to be a small improvement. I like seeing the small improvement knowing it's getting me to a bigger improvement. You know, I like that growth. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you seen change now that you've done this? Like you've implemented some things. I've seen you post an ASOG. I've seen you change some things. Mm-hmm. What have you implemented 
And what have, what change or what feedback are you getting from the business with those implementations? Uh, you know, so I, my guys, I mean, we've change is rough, especially, you know, my service writer. I think he's been with me 11, 12 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got technicians been with me for over 10 years, five, yeah. you know, five, six, seven years. I got a really good crew. A lot of them been there a long time. So they are a little bit used to me coming in and saying, Hey guys, we're going to do this and this. Cause I'm always been that guy to an extent. Right. But yeah, changing, uh, shop management software recently. Right. What'd you go with? Tech metric. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, we use Mitchell forever and, and it, has a lot of good features, but it's just, man, it's kind of just a dinosaur. Yeah, it's antiquated as crap. Yeah, so we uh, we needed, you know, I, I kind of felt like that was a good way to shake things up a little bit too, you yeah. know, get people to, and they've all been, the, the response has actually been pretty good. You know, at first there's right. all the grumbling, oh, man, we got to learn something new, but it didn't take long, you know for everybody yeah. to kind of jump on board but yeah i think uh you know things have been going good in the shop right. our, our numbers are looking good and uh i think the guys are really kind of taken to everything that's going on there and they're excited I'm, I'm in engineering stages of a new shop and yeah. uh you know so they're kind of excited about some of those things right and uh, so you know, that's a ways down the road, though. That's a, you, you know all about oh, that process. Dude, I'm, telling you, <laughs> I'm telling you. I swear to God, I'd just go buy one. Oh, my God. I actually would have, definitely. Right. I didn't want to build. I know right. I've, I, my dad's in construction, and, uh, and I've done some different things in real estate that I didn't want to deal with that. Right. But there just wasn't was an anything. Yeah, yeah, there just wasn't anything for that suited what I wanted. Yeah, exactly. And I was, I was very much in the same spot. So I I know exactly how you feel. Mm -hmm. Um, what kind of shop are you going to do? You you, tell us a little bit about it. Um, you know, I don't think it's, uh, going to be anything special. It's big. It's going to be about 12,000 square feet. Okay. 10, uh, 10, well, really it's going to be 10 double deep bays. Okay. Uh, so I'm still kind of playing with the layout. That that's what will fit in the spot where I want it. Yeah, I'm basically going as big as I Possibly have room can. for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Still leaving room for parking, obviously. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got two acres, so like okay. I've got big areas for parking and and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. And I'm also just kind of looking at it from a, a real estate side. I'm I'm who knows what will, yeah. kind of situation I'll be in 20 years or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm kind of looking at it as setting it up for like industrial use or different right. things, you know, if I want to retire and uh, can't sell the business, which is something that happens in this industry, right. yeah. you know, that, that building will be useful for other exactly. purposes. Exactly. You can use it for whatever you want to use it for. Yeah. Um, so for sure. And, and, you know, one of the big things that I would point out or say is that that you know we're we're kind of in the same boat. We were within an inch and a half of the maximum that we could put on our property, like at the at the back, yeah, right. Like so, we had to have it surveyed and we had to put a retaining wall dead on this line. It mm-hmm. couldn't be an inch this way. It couldn't be an inch that way. 
Yeah. We put it in, and at the back of the building where where some uh, septic lines and stuff like that come through, they said it's got to be this far apart, and we're laying a tape out. And I'm like, <laughs> that's an inch and a half. <laughs> We've got an inch and a half to spare, you know? Like, that's all we have. Yeah. And so we did the exact same thing. Now, are you doing doors on both sides? In other words, you just doing one drive-through door? What's the plan? I'm doing doors on both sides. I, like I said, I, we're at a stage now, so it's it's on the freeway. Okay. Um, so I'm dealing with state drainage issues and all. I mean, it's you know, there's a lot to deal with. So I'm not really getting ahead of myself on the yeah. layout because we've got a long road to go before we're yeah. really ready to get down to the nitty gritty. You know, it's probably, right. I mean, permits, you're waiting six months to a year yeah. for permit approvals and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, it's dude. crazy. Government's I'm, efficient. What are you talking about? So I, yeah. Is that yeah. a long time? <laughs> I, I, waited, uh, I waited 52 weeks for the septic permit. Now, th- this was an operating septic tank, right? Oh, wow. Like this tank was in place. It was operating. And so the the way it works is there's a solids tank and then there's a pump tank mm-hmm. and it pumps it up on top of the hill, right? Yeah. And it had nine cabins with bathrooms, bathtubs, and kitchens. Mm. And we were going to put a shop with four bathrooms yeah. on the same system. And they said, you're going to need way more capacity. And I'm like, yeah. I don't no understand, sense. like how is that even possible? And he's like, it's just what it is. And so we're talking about it and he's, he's going all over all this stuff. Well, at the 52 week mark, he walks to my shop. He's like, you're going to be so happy. And I'm like, why? He said, I missed a decimal point. Here you go. And I'm like, dude, we've been waiting 52 weeks. And like at this point, so ours is kind of in the floodplain. So we had to bring it up. Mm-hmm. And so, um, like we've got five foot of dirt all the way around these septic tanks. Yeah. I looked at your plans. I, I knew yeah. that. Cause I, we, the, where I live, it's we're close to the coast yeah um, and so i'm all too aware of flood zones i'm like man what the heck he's in a flood zone over there right right and like you get that's so yeah that adds a whole nother yeah dude it's like a whole different complexity at least yeah. i have like mountains to build off of yeah so i can come out and it like looks level i'm not just building a shop on this huge <laughs> plateau in the middle of nowhere so um well that's really cool and and what's your vision for the what, hold on hold on I understand kind of why you would build a shop because you got bamboozled. But why would somebody? Why is the space that you're in like incapable of getting to the point that you're trying to get to? So, uh, or do you just like there's, the abuse? <laughs> so, um, I I'm leasing my shop, and uh, the owner is. Awesome. He's like, uh, hopefully he doesn't listen to this podcast. I haven't told him I'm building a new shop yet. <laughs> but he's almost like a mentor to me. He actually owned a machine shop. And, I mean, it's just a, him and his wife are wonderful people. And so I've been there since I opened, day one. Mm-hmm. Now, I've, now I'm in two buildings. Uh, so I have one next door to the other. It's super inconvenient. You know, especially if there's like a piece of equipment that I don't have two of, we're pushing the thing, you know, over into the new shop. And, and there was a plan at one point in time, he was going to sell, sell it to me. Mm -hmm. And he looked at like tax implications of the sale and was like, man, I'm sorry, I can't do it. I'm not paying all this money in taxes. So I just had a choice to make, you know, it's like, am am I going to rent here forever? 
And I had actually picked up this piece of property uh, as an investment, not planning on building a shop because I thought I was going to buy where I was at. And if I bought where I was at, I was going to do some modifications and basically connect the two buildings. Mm -hmm. But since that isn't an option, you know, since he decided not to sell it, I, I was like, man, I got this two acres sitting over here. It's a prime location. I'm just going to bite the bullet and do it. Right. right. So, so yes, I do want, I do need some space to grow and a better setup than I have now, mm -hmm. but I would have not chosen to build a shop if I could buy mine and do the modifications that I wanted to do. That, you know, and, and here's the thing is like when we, I see so many shop owners talking about this. Is, is, is the modification, is the expense so high in doing the modification? I, I guess I just, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I, if the, if the modifications will get you revenue wise, logistically where you want to be, it almost makes sense to just do it. Because what? you're like it's it almost it, it sounds to me, and I'm just being a devil's advocate here. I'm not trying to be difficult, but it almost sounds like the the customer that comes in and says, "Well, I don't want to do three thousand dollars in repairs. I'd rather go buy a thirty thousand dollar vehicle." It's like, well, just do three thousand dollars in repairs and keep what you got. And so, I'll give you an example. In the building that I'm, I don't own it. I'm leasing it, and my lease is coming up here. Uh, and so my intention is to sign another long-term lease. Sure. Let's, let's go 10 years this time sure. instead of five. And I've easily put – we're approaching over six figures into this building. Mm -hmm. the, the building, you know, what he provided was four walls and a roof. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So you're talking tens of thousands of dollars that I've poured into insulation, structural changes, aesthetic changes, paint electrical hvac and just to get it functional you see what i'm saying mm -hmm. so it's in the perfect location i'm sort of landlocked i can't expand out there's not a lot of buildings so if i decide i'm going to build something i'm going to have to go out into a different county and it just it doesn't make any sense so my focus then became i, I just want to make it right for me yeah and as long as I'm able to stay in, I don't get kicked out, mm -hmm. right? What do, what do I care, right? I, it, I, sure, I'm not going to own it, but I'm going to have it set up exactly the way I want it. It's going to work for me, and I'm going to be able to make more revenue out of it. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, absolutely. The, the revenue, the top line revenue, ends up being the end goal, yeah, not necessarily definitely. like the the uh the investment portion of it yeah it's not my property it's not my land i've got first refusal that's the only thing i've got mm -hmm. so if it does have to exchange hands i get to step in and go yeah i'll i'll take it but i, I don't know the city's a nightmare to deal with i don't know that i would want to own it i'd rather i don't have the relationships that this guy has like i haven't been there for 50 60 70 years like yeah i have no idea and so i'd rather not be the real estate owner i'd rather just be the shop owner so those those thoughts definitely crossed my mind, mm -hmm. um, and part of the reason it, it that I can't do that is because he has multiple buildings on the, this one piece of property, 
and I can't make the modifications without getting into space that other people have leased. Okay. Yeah, I got so you. So I thought about, I actually looked at some prices and I'm like, okay, I can drop a couple hundred grand. I can get this the way I want. And as long, exactly what you're saying, even if he doesn't sell it, if it's a long enough term, yeah. maybe we even negotiate a discounted lease payment exactly. for these improvements. Yeah. But just the layout of the way the land is, there's multiple buildings on one track of land. So it, that those thoughts did cross my mind. Yeah. Uh, and, but there were some obstacles and there to where I'm like, and I don't know, by the time we try to get through all this, it's, and then I still have to deal with the headache of building departments and all this yeah. stuff to make yeah. those, the changes that I needed. So it's kind of like, you know, and you know, this is, I own uh, commercial properties that I that I lease, and so this also to me is kind of adding to that portfolio okay. of like that's sure. that's part of my retirement plan. Oh, that's know? pretty cool. That's so, pretty cool. You know, this will, you know, if I if I decide to shut the doors of the shop one day and just lease the place, you know, I can do that with this and it can yeah. just add to that because that's you know how it is we're shop owners we don't have anybody looking out for us on retirement so that's that's part yeah. of our my, own responsibility yeah mm-hmm. so i'm gonna die going to work yeah me well too. I, I've, I've actually said that i well i, I like to work so it doesn't bother me yeah. I, you know my goal uh my real retirement goal is to work like two or three days a week yeah you know and yeah. i i would I feel like I'd be perfectly happy with that, you know, like just, yeah. you know, if I go in a couple of days a week and can, you know, be in there and shake some hands and make, you know, talk to my guys and make yeah. sure everything's going good. And, you know, but see, like I work two to three days a week now, like work, work, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you go into the shop and you're like, Hey, I need to help with some invoices. I need to help with estimates. I need to move a few cars. I need mm-hmm. to do a DVI here, or there. I need to fix a piece of equipment or figure out who needs to fix it. So yeah. I, I do that two to three days. The rest of the time I'm doing what the hell I want. And it's more retirement to me is not, not working. I work every day. Yeah. It's like fun side projects. Yeah, like doing this, other stuff. Yeah, like yeah. this podcast. This just a fun side project. It yeah. doesn't pay me a dime. Yeah. But I'm learning so much stuff doing this. Yeah, absolutely. It's so much fun. It's exciting to me. And so That's for exactly kind of like what I was talking about with me going into some of those other businesses. Yeah, it yeah. like really kind of gets you thinking about different things and yeah. learning stuff that you might not have learned. Yeah, learned exactly. And it, it becomes more of a uh, – the end goal ends up being how can I pull income, consistent income from multiple streams, mm-hmm. not have to rely on any one thing. To Like my, my wife works, so, yeah, we have two incomes coming in and, you know, so that things are taken care of. But what if she can't work or what if she doesn't want to work? Mm-hmm. Can we start looking for ways to pull in – multiple streams of yes. income yep. that still allows me flexibility to do whatever the hell I want. That to me, that in my mind, that's retirement. Not that I ever stop working. Like I only want to work. Yeah. That's exactly. I never want to stop working. Part, that's, that's right along my thought process and yeah. me investing with some of this real estate and looking at 
you know, yeah. using that income to give me more flexibility and it, and it doesn't require a ton of my attention and time to. Yeah. To so there, there's a gentleman I've always looked up to. Uh, his name's Jim. He's our next door neighbor. And, and, you know, he owns a number of, of commercial hotels. He owns a farm. He owns property all over the country and still goes every single day, still at it all the time. But the point is, is that if he wants to take off and go to Alaska fishing for a week, eh, whatever. It's not, it's not like an impact. He, he can enjoy life. He can have a good time. He can. And, and so just a few years ago, Jim's in his fifties, right? Just a few years ago, he woke up one morning and he called his son and he said, I can't see. Like, I, I can't see. I can't remember who he woke up or he was driving and, and just felt like he was losing his vision. He couldn't see. And they found a brain tumor. Wow. And so they, they took it out. It was it was malignant. It wasn't, you know. But the point is, it's like you really don't know how much time you have. Like, I, I think so many people. And I, I've told the story about the shop I was looking at buying. Remember the, the old guy and it was in multiple different areas. And, mm-hmm. and like I start talking to him. I said, hey, let's look at the P&L. Let's see what the business is worth. Dude, the business wasn't worth anything. He's like, well, I need a million five for it. And I'm like, the property's not worth that. Well, I've got the business that's been here for this many years. Like, shop owners are waiting until the very freaking last minute to prepare for this. And you don't know when it's coming. I mean, we were listening to a video on the way to the airport uh, Tuesday. And dude says, like, you don't know when your time is. If anybody in the room can raise your hand and say, I've got this many days, this many weeks, this many years left, raise your hand. You can't. Mm-hmm. You do not know what you've got left. That's my point, though. So why why wait until you're 55, 65, whatever retirement age that you've deemed acceptable well, it, it, we to were, go do what you want to go do? Wait, like if but, you want to go to Alaska, then exactly, just go Alaska. Exactly. But uh, I, yeah, I, I, I have done a lot of that and do do a lot of that. We, uh, my wife and I, we have a two-month-old at home right now, so – that's going to change a lot of things that we do, but you know, I mean, we, is that your first, my first. So fun. It is. Yay. It's, it's it is. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Congratulations, by the way, boy it, or girl, boy. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. I haven't slept. You yeah. Know, the sleeping yeah. thing is an issue, thing, but, yeah. um, you know, but it's, it's, it's been <laughs> awesome. Listen, uh, I, I just want you to know, in some cases, it gets better. In other cases, it doesn't. I'm, I'm, I am three years right now. Three years of no mm-hmm. sleep. He slept for the first six months. Wow. After yeah, I've that, heard though, people say that that like, even you know, well, yeah, this one slept great. This one, yeah, you know, exactly like you said, everything was good, and then it just it wasn't went anymore. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, so I'm, I'm starting to get, I'm starting to get bed. used to it. I, that's a good idea. Maybe I should do that. <laughs> that's the that's the, the answer. The one outside. Plan. The one outside. <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm in so a race car or something. We're gonna we're still we're we're gonna see how it goes. But we're we're planning on you know we prior to the pandemic. I mean, we would take six vacations a year, maybe you know not all not necessarily like long vacations, but yeah. long weekends. You know. Fly to Mexico. Or I just want you to know so. that it gets much harder. Okay, it's, I just want to put that out weird. there. But that's part of the journey. It, it's not. It doesn't have to necessarily be that you go on vacations, you go to Europe, and so they're just experiences. Yeah, it's yeah. just like what do you have fun doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, exactly. I enjoy just being home with my family. I, yeah. I like yeah. getting up in the morning and making them breakfast. Like 
that's fun for me. I don't need to go to Mexico. I yeah. could give a two craps whether I ever go to Mexico or not. That's not that's not what you know, and and that's what you enjoyed. That's fine. Yeah, I have no problem with that. It, it's yeah, just I'm being a very able to content. spend time together. And yes. do yeah. stuff together. Well, you know, you go back to the conversation that that Sunil had. Like, you know, we were talking to him about how many people wait, right? Like, well, eventually I'll, I will, I'll eventually lose the weight. I will eventually, I will eventually, like, I don't have time. This is happening. That's happening. I mean, like you just don't, that that's a luxury. I think we afford ourselves that we don't realize we don't really have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, we're taking a trip to new Orleans in a couple of weeks, so it, we'll see how it goes. You need to just go ahead and post an update about that. in ASOG <laughs> So we all know. And, and we're, there's some fantastic restaurants in, in New oh, Orleans. Um, um, uh, uh, we go to New Orleans. Probably, we have been going a couple times a year, and it's like we have a running list. Like, okay, we're going to scratch this one off this time because now we tried this new one, and it's taken a spot on the list. Yeah, nice. I mean, it's the food is incredible. That's yeah. one of our – now, you know, when when my wife and I met, we were drinking. Now we're eating you right. know, when we go. So, yeah. uh, Be so, careful. Yeah. You'll end up like David and I. <laughs> That's not a bad thing, though, if you're enjoying yourself. You could do it yeah. real and then, easily but, in New Orleans. I, <laughs> I always come back five or ten pounds heavier <laughs> than when I... <laughs> it's a bad thing if you let yourself go like completely like I have. You get unhealthy and your knees hurt all the time. Mm. That's when it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so kind of back to the, the building a shop thing. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. <laughs> My message to you is is that, you know, and, and I think I see younger shop owners doing it more than anybody else. They go and they have all these great, huge, big visions and dreams, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, there was a post. Somebody's like, hey, I'm looking to build a shop. What should I put in there? And the, you get the craziest, like, yeah. comments, and, and they're like, oh, run this this kind of networking cable throughout the shop. Okay, that's 110000 Run this kind of exhaust system. Okay, that's 65000 Yeah. And it just piles and piles and piles. It's like, okay, yeah. I just and, need four walls in a, in a room well, and, and a and couple so lifts. That's kind of my point, is that, that when you start looking at building a shop, you're thinking about the lift you're going to put in it. You're thinking about this cool little feature you're going to put in it, and, oh, this is what the office is going to look like. And I think you, because we've talked about it, being mm -hmm. having a different perspective really helps. Mm -hmm. But a lot of these guys go into it like that, and they don't, man, they don't think about things like the septic system. And where am I going to put the pipe, right? Like I said, we had an inch and a half left to put it, Yeah, right? That was all there was. It, are we doing three-phase or are we doing single-phase? All three-phases is, is, oh, man, it's going to save you so much in electricity. Yeah, but then you, you find out that the electrical system is, like my shop's going to be $184,000 to wire because they, they engineered it for three-phase. Mm -hmm. and, and, like, you don't think about these things. And you think, oh, I'll go get a loan. It's going to be great. Dude, you, <laughs> dude, you can blow through, you can blow through so $2 fast. million like yeah. that. And yeah. you don't even realize it's gone. It's gone. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, the, it, yeah, and a lot of a lot of these guys don't have any idea what the loan process is actually like. It is, <clears throat> dude. I <laughs> you brought up a sore subject. Yeah, and I mean, especially when you get into construction loans, that's a whole different animal. Uh, so yeah, people people bought a house and they got a mortgage and they think that they're 
financing is going to work that way for Dude. buying a shop, and they just have no clue. No. It, it is it is a miserable process. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have advocates on your side, and you don't have people that have been working with you that that they know you're going to pay it, they know they can trust you, the bank. And and so what happened to me was is the bank changed hands midway through this process. Yeah, that's uh that's really rough. It was dude, it was miserable. And communication dried up and nobody knew what to do or how to do it. Nobody even knew how to do the paperwork to the point the attorney comes to me and says, They don't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah. You know, yeah. and like now we're here, right? We don't have a choice. And I mean, David, yeah, listen you, to me yeah, ring you're this knee dude. deep into it. It isn't yeah. like you're Yeah, you know, and and uh Another thing that I think a lot of business owners and especially shop owners, I've been, uh, they have not. So like we have this, the shop owners groups, like, I mean, ASOG is incredible wealth of information, but there are programs like uh, your local small business development center that they can help walk you through uh, SBA loans and different stuff. And these resources are free. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, a lot of business owners do not utilize these things. Even though they're there. Yeah. Right? And, you know, so uh, I took a class that was put on by the Small Business Development Center. And, I mean, they have all these, like, little classes. But I took one that was six months long every Monday for six months, a half a day. It's a wow. pretty big commitment. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, uh, but, man, you know, you had... You know, I've got five business cards of people that are like, hey, whenever you build your shop, yeah. come to me and I'll give you this. I'll give you the loan and we'll help walk you through the yeah. SBA loan process huge. and stuff like that. So um, and that's all through a local, you know, uh, David could appreciate this, you know, getting a little bit back from your tax dollars that you pay, you know, so <laughs> yeah. cause, uh, because I'm I'm right there with you on like, where's my money going, you know, and, and hey, they uh, were they were what was it they were doing? They were the money was going to water the flowers in the rain and in, in Miriam. <laughs> Where are you going to bring that up? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I think especially with a shop owner starting out. And and we talked to Jaron a little bit about this with the Snap-on guy. But um, especially with somebody that's starting out, right? They've not got an established business. Maybe they're not optimized to 100%. I think my first message to them is get your current shop optimized to 100%. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't slack on it. If you really think you want – and your situation is a little bit different. David got another shop just for a specific reason. But – I think that if you wanted to get a second location or if you wanted to build a shop, if if you've got a shop that's doing $50,000 a month and you've got 10 bays, mm-hmm. dude, fix that shop yeah. first. Get yeah. that shop fixed because then you've got the cash flow. If, if I did not have cash flow, if I was in a situation where I wasn't able to cash flow what we're doing, this shop would have been scrapped. Yeah. Right? Like that's all there is to it. Yeah. People have no idea about all these things pop up. And you better have some money. Yeah. And, and you, you go to the bank and you expect them, oh, look, I'm just going to get the money. I'm just going to get the money. I'm just going <laughs> to fill out this paperwork. And they're just going to – no. I mean, like, we started this, and I specifically told them how much money I have, how much it was going to cost to build the shop. And David was sitting next to me when the dude says, we don't think you have enough money with this loan to build the shop. We're not giving you any draws. Dude, I signed the paperwork. I'm paying the payments, and you don't want to give me the money. And yeah. and that's their decision. That mm-hmm. is their choice. Mm-hmm. 
just because it should be a way or you think it's a way doesn't mean it is. Yep. And so, you know, you're over here. If you don't have cash flow or capital to operate, and so many guys go and sink that much money in there, and they, they'll tank themselves if they're not careful. Yeah, or think that think that, that new shop or new building is going to fix their business. Yes, exactly. And, uh, that I, isn't the, – the building isn't the problem. Yeah. I mean, you, don't get me wrong. Like, my building right now is not ideal, but – you know, I know that there's a lot more that I can do yeah. and the building isn't going to fix that. I need it. I need to do that. Absolutely. I, I, I had a shop owner come to me in tears one time and they said, um, nothing is going the way it's supposed to go. We're having tons of troubles with cars we're fixing. We can't manage what we've got. And, and they're talking about the fact that the solution that they have determined is, is they're going from a two bay to a 16 bay facility. Mm. with a, a $13,000 a month lease. And I'm like, <laughs> if you can't manage two, you can't manage 16. Oh, my gosh. And, like, it was a super uncomfortable conversation. It's burnt some bridges. And I'm like, I'm just telling you. Like, the problems you have in two are only magnified magnified yeah, by 10 so or 15 more, yeah. or 16 or 25, whatever it is. It doesn't – more cars doesn't always fix the problem. More text doesn't fix the problem. It compounds it. Yeah. And, and, you know, like talking about what I would do differently. Like if I, if I built a shop, I would, and, and you got to remember it was tough for me because I've got to have heavier lifts because we work on bigger stuff. Finding used equipment has been tough because the price of, of new lifts has gone so high. I kind of had to buy new lifts for what we needed. Mm -hmm. I would have gone and found used equipment. I yeah, would have actually gone have, minimalist. I have a, I have whole nother hunter alignment set up sitting in storage i've kind of just you know over the last couple years i've gone and you know whenever there's a deal on something if you've yeah. got a little money sitting there and you got somewhere to put it you it's know an opportunity yeah so i pretty much i'm not gonna say i'm set up but i pretty much have all that stuff yeah the money's been spent. I already forgot about it, you know? Yeah. So. And, and, and it didn't happen all at once. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's, that, that's my message is that please be, you know, these people who are wanting to go do this, like be careful. Don't go out and drop $3 million, $4 million and just say, it's going to be perfect. It's going to be beautiful. Like it take, it's going to take time to get into a new shop and cash flowing and get yeah. money moving. Like it's not, but but I think especially for a young shop owner that you're excited, you're fired up. You know, I've watched my brother do this over and over again. My brother is an entrepreneur, and he has these great big visions and great big dreams. You you know a little bit about the construction and real estate industry. You know about inspections. You know about these things. And he's got all these great ideas. But then when it comes time for the implementation, mm -hmm. Boys, there's roadblocks here and here and here. You'd think it's going to work so easy, but then like things yeah. start happening. You're like, Dude. yeah, the planning department or, doesn't give a damn about your great big dreams <laughs> and all that right. kind of stuff. They're going to they're going to stomp all over them. Right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And like, you know, I've been blessed because I've got so many people watching out for me. The uh, state fire marshal is a friend of mine. And, and when I showed him the first plans for the shop, the engineer didn't catch it. Nobody else called it. He's like, dude, you need to go down 100 square feet. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm to like, avoid a sprinkler system. Yeah, dude. Because yeah. that was going to be $300,000. I got to pump it to the top of a hill and got to, like, yeah, yeah. you know, supply tank, 1,000 gallons. Got to be able to run for however many hours and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. I, dude, like, you, you can accidentally back yourself into that corner. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I 
one of the reasons when I bought my property, I wasn't going to do a shop on there is because the city planning department had done what they call an overlay zone. So they had these special zoning regulations and they said that all four sides had to be stone facade that, you know, met this certain criteria. And I'm like, man, that's a, a metal building and you not, you can't even see all four sides from the road. Right. You know, all four care. sides, you know, double the cost of the building or more. And, uh, you know, so I had bought the property because, it, uh, you know, it was a it was an investment with no real plans to build a shop. But Texas, uh, you know, there people take issues with our state government for a whole lot of reasons, and I'm right there with them. But one thing that they did that I was really happy about is they passed a law and said, hey, these local municipalities, if the building meets international building code that they've adopted, they can't regulate what the building materials are. Oh, if it's up to code, huge, then y'all can then you can build it. Because of all these because local municipalities were stifling development with mm -hmm. all these crazy, I mean some of them like this one the the fence, I've got 2 acres, they wanted a wrought iron fence on all four sides Dude. that meets certain it's like the fence is that, 200 something thousand dollars. Yeah. Is you is know? the motivation behind that stomping out small business? I mean like I I really don't think it is, but it feels that way sometimes. It does. It yeah. does. I, I think they just don't. I think they don't. The people that are making these decisions, it, it, it's kind of like your brother. Like they, they have this pie in the sky dream of what they want it to yeah. look like, but they are not f looking at the reality of the situation and the effect that this has on somebody like me. Yeah. Who I think hey, they're looking at it, going, "I want it to look this way." Yeah. But they've never had to generate revenue. They well, have. They no just idea. raise taxes. So they've never act find the customer, bring them in, take care of them. It, and they probably haven't ever expenses. looked at like, hey, here's a building that meets all these, and here's one that doesn't. Oh crap! The cost is double. We didn't yeah. understand that. Yeah, and it, it knocks a lot of people out of the running. Yeah. Right? It, it, there's a lot of people who wouldn't even be able to do it. Little odd story. Town that I'm in, right? Because Boone's on one side, Blowing Rock's on the other. We're right in between. And Blowing Rock is this beautiful little quaint small town that has many, I guess the right word is elites. Like they come up, they have houses, they come up from Florida in the warm areas in the summer and come down in the winter because it's a little bit warmer. Mm -hmm. And so they, these elites start going and they're trying to pass ordinances in the town mm -hmm. that basically say, hey, listen, the Department of Travel and Tourism, we don't want you to market this area. And they're like, the restaurants and the tourism are coming back saying like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Well, well, all the restaurants are full and we can't enjoy ourselves. Like, yeah, but you're only here once a year. That restaurant's not going to be able to sustain, right? That's insane. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it, it, it got worse. And so I can't get into my restaurant. So, hey, don't let anybody else in. Yeah. So the one yeah. time a year I want to go to this restaurant, I can get in. Well, so, so long story short, it was neat to see this happen. But my brother, he had worked for a hospital, right? And so... If he wanted to run a piece of network wire, right? Like, say he wants to run Cat 6A from here to the other side of the building, he just called up and, and signed a work order and they just did it. He mm -hmm. didn't ever have to see the dollar amount. It didn't ever matter yeah. to him. It didn't ever, like, it was, it was bureaucracy, but like, he just never envisioned. So now he starts running the family business and, oh, that, that's a hundred thousand dollars. Well, oh, just go do it. 
Okay, well, that's 100000 Just, Just go do it. And then all of a sudden, the cash flow started dropping. And my dad's like, you know, my dad, my dad's a bit of a troll. He's just sitting back like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what do you do, you boo-boo? Yeah. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, things got a little uncomfortable, and it got tense between dad and my brother, and all this stuff's going on. And then he started seeing it from the other side because the Department of Travel and Tourism's like, hey, listen, we're not going to be able to, to help you with your marketing anymore. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, you're seeing the bureaucracy from the other side now. You're not just the guy signing the piece of paper. It doesn't feel nearly as nice on this side. Yeah, eye-opening experience. Yeah. We need more people that have seen both sides yes. making those rules. Yes. You, you think know. that's a machine, though, that ends up swallowing you up? Like, you get into it, and all of a sudden, you're like... Probably. I mean, I could definitely see that. And I, I mean, I don't... You know, I've had people... You know, I'm pretty active in my community, and I've had people, oh, you should run for this or be on this board. And and I'm just like, man, you know, I, I don't lose it. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, it's like I just don't think I'm suited for that, at least not not at this stage of life. You yeah. Know? yeah. Um, I, I, it is it is terribly frustrating that you can own something. It can be your property, and you can't do with it what you want. What yeah. you want. I mean, I, I understand within reason. Right. I, I don't, you know, and, and it's like FEMA. Everybody got so frustrated with FEMA about the, the flood laws. I'm like, no, I, I get it. Right. Like, I, I get why flood insurance went up. I get why there's flood laws. I, I don't want my stuff to wash down and take out dudes building down here. Mm-hmm. It would suck if that happened to me. Sure. Right. I understand that. I understand why it's important that we have some base something. But I don't want to, like, it's it becomes so much that they focus on it and that stupid show with Steve Carell, uh, Space Force. You know what I'm talking about? It's a Netflix show. They were kind of trolling. It came I, out. I've, I've, I've scrolled past it a few times. Yeah, well, I mean, I they were trolling the Space Force, and they didn't even, if you go look about the show, they didn't even know that there was a Space Force coming out. Mm. They start this thing, and now a Space Force is out here. But he says something. In, in one of the episodes, He's uh, he is talking about uh, they want to r- launch this rocket. And they're like, no, the humidity is too high. There's no way we can do this. And all these people are supposed to be here to watch it. And they're, the scientists are like, it's not possible. It's not possible. And he's standing there, and this little dude pulls out this umbrella. He turns around, and he's like, what's that behind you? And he's like, oh, it's an umbrella. And he says, we're launching the rocket. So they go in, and, and the rocket goes off without a hitch, you know. And he says, the little dude says, well, how did you know? Like, what was what was the reasoning behind you knowing it would be okay? How did you know it would work? And he said, because you're so risk averse. You had an umbrella because the humidity was high. You're so focused on the risk. You're so focused on this one little aspect that you become ingrained in it and it consumes you. They're unwilling to look outside of, oh my gosh, it's my job to protect you from a flood. They can't see that that we all have to assume some risk with that. They become so focused on preventing any risk at all that they overregulate to the point we can't we can't build a building. I think that could happen. To, I mean, I think we all know shop owners that get that yeah. you know uh, tunnel vision and can't see the bigger picture, yes. and so you know, I mean, I think it's amplified in a, a, a government agency a lot of times, you know. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, if you if you're focus in on one thing you kind of can yep. lose lose sight so i mean I, probably all of us have 
been in that mode a time or two, you know. I so, know I have. Uh, I know I I can count them, right? <laughs> have to take my <laughs> shoes off, but I can count them. I don't get tunnel vision. You definitely don't get tunnel vision. I'm not tunnel. even sure that you have vision. You're just. <laughs> 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 I do. I do get obsessed with things, but I don't. For like thirty seconds. No, short short term yeah. tunnel vision. <laughs> Maybe. I, don't, I don't know. I just uh, I don't, it doesn't that thought doesn't bother me. I don't, I don't know. I, I do try to seek out. You you almost wonder like what what does it look like if you deregulate too much? I I don't know that I've I've heard people talking about certain parts of New Mexico where there's no there's no zoning laws, so you can build a industrial complex next to a commercial building next to a house. And it, and it looks like chaos. You know, there's a house, and then there's a couple stores, and then just a random house. And and I could see maybe that not being the most appealing, but at the same time... Well, Houston I, is basically that way. Oh, really? Houston uh, essentially doesn't have zoning. Uh, and I would say that, yes, there is that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I live about an hour away from Houston. My shop's maybe 40 minutes from Houston. So, okay. I mean, we're kind of on the outskirts of this big city. But, you know, at the same time, Houston has grown a ton. Yeah. A it's a great, people, yeah. a great place to go do a development or to build different things. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, yes, if you probably, you know, if you're a homeowner and they build some, you know, monstrosity next to you, that is frustrating but i think if i drive around houston i feel like the market has kind of decided what's going to be where yeah. and it yeah. you know over over a period of time at least things kind of work Set themselves out that yeah. makes sense yeah yeah you know but you but there the is a little like, randomness though you you definitely do see that isolated randomness is not a bad thing I, i'm just saying if it just gets chaotic yeah. but you get to a point like here in, in overland park i can't have a water tank in my backyard so i want to collect rainwater and to be able to water my my vegetable garden i i can't have it no no you i have to i'm gonna have to hide it i shouldn't have said that on air <laughs> no you just you make one of those uh, if you were to ever do it if i were to ever do it i would have to hide it yeah. Yeah. i can't have chickens just you know I, people can have cats, dogs, little yippy dogs that are in the backyard. That are noisy just, and meh, annoying. Meh, meh, meh. Yeah, but I can't have a couple chickens to have some eggs. No, that's for whatever reason they've just drawn this arbitrary line. Like this is okay, but that isn't. There's no sense or reason behind it. Why can't I have two chickens or three chickens? We had uh, uh, there was a little controversy in my, where I live about somebody that had a pet potbelly pig, and pigs are not allowed within the city limits oh, dude. because of like farming rules and they have a potbelly pig that lives in the house yeah right like what does that have to do uh, okay it's not a pig than farm dogs. they're supposed to be cleaner animals than some yeah, of it's, a, it's like a little miniature yeah. potbelly pig this thing isn't any right. different than somebody's dog you know yeah. probably better for the neighborhood than a lot of dogs but you know yeah that's that's the that, rule that, that's my point is it turns into that and you're like man this is and, and this is idiotic and and the worst part is is that it truly affects people you know what i mean like it has an impact like that family probably loves their pal- oh, yeah. thing and and the the rule would say hey you got to go so mm-hmm. it it really comes down to we're going to move we're going to get rid of the pig i mean like what are you going to do mm-hmm. look at that shop owner that was 
did you see this online? The the city was requiring X amount of parking spots. Oh yeah, I did see that. If he because he was a designated a certain kind of business, yeah. he was required to have so many parking spots and he he's like, I don't need I need the spot the spaces I have is all I need. And they were forcing him to close and he had to fight the city and this over wow. these like arbitrary parking allotment rules. Mm-hmm. That they had just they they had really tailored them towards larger businesses like yeah. a Home Depot. Hey, if you're going to build a Home Depot, you have to have this much space for parking. Okay, that's I get that. You don't want people parking into the neighborhoods and you know flooding the area with parked cars because you didn't allot for the right amount of parking. Yeah. But this was a really small business. Yeah, and, a mom and pop shop that is bringing in six cars a day and they want. 40 parking spots or yeah, whatever. Yeah, that, that's what it was. And and this was in Texas, I think. Wasn't it in Texas? I'm pretty sure this was in Texas. Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. I'm looking right now. I know I saw a news article just the other day. Well, depending on, you know, he that's... Won. He won. Oh, so, yeah, he was able to fight great. the city and they were able to give him... I, at least I think there was an injunction that allowed him to stay open, to continue running his business while he continues to fight this, this rule. And... It makes no sense. If if I were a taxpayer in that city, I would be losing my mind saying, you guys are paying for litigation. You guys are paying attorneys to fight this small business and not just handing them within reason. Like they have brains. They, you know, it's like, well, okay, that's reasonable. That Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it says um, a Harris County judge allowed the owner of Oz Mechanics in Pasadena, Texas, to open his shop while his lawsuit against the city of Pasadena is pending. The temporary injunction was granted in a suit filed by the Institute for Justice challenging the city's mandatory parking minimum law, which requires him to have 28 parking spaces that he does not need and can't afford to build. So yeah, he that's, might. That's, uh, that's 20 minutes from me. Yeah, he Is says, it really? Yeah. yeah. It says, for That's months cool. I've been paying on a loan, <laughs> uh, a loan on my shop without being able to work there. I was worried my business wouldn't be able to survive. Um, that's so- nuts. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's that's my point. They had to sue the city, so now the city, the city has to go to court. They're having to pay attorney fees. That's not coming out of thin air. It's coming out of the tax money, right? Why? Because they, they didn't want to issue this. Adder- this attorney says Pasadena's parking minimum law serves no purpose, hurts small business, and violates the Texas Constitution. Um, and they look forward to further proving that in court, but the judge has already seen that. They that's, shouldn't be fighting it. That's my point. They no, shouldn't yeah. even think be about fighting the money it. and, and yep. time and effort involved in in fighting that. The judge has to be paid. The court clerk, the the all the costs of the, having yeah. even go to court. That's insane. But they'll yeah. they're fi- they'll fight it. They'll be like, oh no, our our law is justified here. No, it's not. What's the guy's name? Uh, that's why I didn't say it because I can't Sepulveda? say it. Um, he says uh, he he would never need this many Aesog. spots. Is he in he's in, I think, some of the technician groups. He says he would never need this many spots for his shop as he is a one-man operation that takes cars by appointment only. And only and installing the new spots would cost him over $40,000, almost half the price of the property, and more than he can possibly afford. A one-man shop. They want him to have 28 parking spots. Yeah. Yeah. What's that? That that makes no sense. Well, and, and, you know, that's the thing is that, that, you know, they created the stupid rule, but, but, and I get why they created it, but they put no consideration into, okay, what about this teeny tiny building, a barbershop? 
you know, with one barber inside, how many people, how many parking spots could you possibly need for a barbershop with one barber inside? Mm -hmm. Four or five, maybe max? No, no, you have to have 28. Is this issue compounded by the fact that many businesses, you know, it's it's almost like a, a forensic accountant, right? Forensic accountant, what does he do? He goes back and looks at the invoices to make sure you didn't overpay something, make sure the numbers are right, right? Same thing. How many businesses just pay this? Ah, I'm out. Cool. Not a big deal, right? Or I just build the new parking spots. $40,000. Who cares? Not a big deal. So the the complacency by business to accept it, right? Like if every single the business. Lar- it's larger businesses. Right. It ends if, up being extortion. So there, I have a friend who uh, he's an appraiser, commercial property appraiser. Mm-hmm. And he says what he, he gets hired to do, and he gets paid very well to do this, a county will decide uh, we need a little bit more revenue. So they'll go to the Home Depot, they'll go to the Walgreens, they'll go to the CVS, the Walmart, and they'll say, hey, this property is now worth uh, $2 million more, therefore we need another $70,000, $100,000, dollars in tax revenue. That's what it costs. Sorry. And so they hire them to come in, do an assessment, appraise it properly to the market, and then come back. And that allows the business to then say, no, 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 no. We got a third party to come in. This is what the property's worth. It's not what you're saying it's worth. You're just and they're doing it. They're doing it entirely to generate more tax revenue. Well, if you want to hear a crazy story about that, this so I I pay a company probably basically what you're talking about. I pay a company to argue my property taxes and the valuations. I had a building this past year that was on the tax appraisal I think for 280,000 it went up to 700,000 in one That's year. That's crazy. And uh so I uh no more than that. It was it went up 305%. More than that. I I had a few different properties with similar things. And I mean, we went, like I told my wife, we, we got these new appraisals and I was like, look, our lifestyle might be changing right? because this is a five figure increase in taxes every year. And, uh, but I was like, where do these numbers even come from? Because they make them up. Yeah. Because if I, (laughs) if I was, you know, I was sitting here thinking like, Okay, the the number the original number might have been a hair low. Like I wouldn't have sold it for that. They send me these new numbers, and I'm like, if anybody offered me these dollar amounts for these properties, I'm ripping their handle. Sold so quick. I'm like, who came up with these numbers? Obviously, not somebody that actually has. I mean, I don't know if it's just like some computer program. I don't know where they came from, but I'm like, there's no way that this is a real number. And then of course I go fight it. I still end up having an increase. You know, this company fights it for me, but uh, at least it's brought down to, you know, maybe closer to an actual value. But yeah, same kind of thing. I'm like, this is like that additional made this up expense that you have to pay to fight this. It shouldn't even exist. Now, I don't hold it against them. I understand they're trying to, but the government doing what they're doing created this need in the market. I Just spent because, thousands of dollars, yeah, to to fight it for this it, year, and who knows what's going to happen next year? I may be in the same boat. 
I mean, this isn't the first time that they've done some increases, but this year, I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. Crazy increases. I was like. They're short on revenue. And they they can't. It's not like they can go, hey, in our businesses, if we're short and we're up against the wall, what are we going to do? Cut staff. Cut expenses. Oh, no, no. We can't uh, raise prices 305% overnight yeah. and just say, hey, that's the new no, price. Not, they, we they need the money. never imagine cutting expenses. That's not a thing. It's like, oh, we're not going to cut this department in half. Sorry, folks. Go find a job. Not in government. It it, <laughs> it goes back to the, the guy, Billy Waliak or Wozniak, that, that, uh, the collision guy. You seen that? No, I'm not shared that with you. Oh, the appraiser, the yeah. guy that, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it, there's an appraisal clause in insurance, and and if you get into a collision or whatever it is, and they say, hey, here's what your vehicle's worth. This guy comes out and he looks at the vehicle and he says, actually, you know, I, I get they Sounds don't like have replacement good. value, but yeah. come on now, like yeah. you, you had a, a loss of value because the car was an accident that. All these things, and like he goes to fight, and one of the big things he always says is, "Is don't let the person who owes you money determine how much they owe you." That yeah. that's ridiculous. And and the thing that I see from this is, it feels like the little man fighting the big man constantly, right? Those that have that kind of power are able to just like, man, whatever, you know. And it, it's vehicle after vehicle. I watch this dude. I mean, go go follow his Facebook, yeah, dude. It's vehicle after vehicle after vehicle. It's four thousand, five thousand, six thousand, seven thousand, eight thousand, nine thousand dollars, and it's car after car after car after car. And I'm like, how tiring is it? And how many people never know? How many people don't like? No, dude, that's not right. One of our loaners got wrecked, and and she calls and she's trying to be super nice and she's like, I can give you this for it. And I'm like, no way, are you crazy? And I fought with her, and it was she wanted to give me thirty two hundred dollars for like a, a fourteen Odyssey. Whoa. And I'm like, dude, there's no way. And so, like, I fought with her, and she brought it up to, like, $9,200. She had plenty of money in there to work with, but that's how they work. If you don't know these things, if you don't know to fight, if you don't know to push back, like, on those taxes, Mm -hmm. and you just I'm okay with them doing it because it's a, like, they're a business. They're trying to control their expenses. Yeah, but I I mean. I get it with that. There's no justification. Yeah, the, on the these guys. Side. I'm paying these taxes yeah. for them to, to turn back around and screw me over. Exactly. Yeah, screw you, you over. You. Like, yeah. hey, we got bigger. We're able to hire more. Whatever. We're gonna have pass more laws yep. and it, you know more cops watching you. How fast you're going down this road so we can write you more tickets. And it's like, come on, get out of here with that. Well, and you have, you know, this building's full of of shop owners and managers that are trying to to fight these battles every day with technician shortage or parts problems or, you know, whatever. And then we don't need these added things on (laughs) our plate. You know, I don't, I don't need to be, you know, I, I should be focusing on, you know, what's going on in, in my shop, not, you know, worrying about what the tax office is doing to these properties or, you know, my new shop waited six months for them to look at a per- a drainage plan, you know, and things like that. It's yep. it's like, you know, these things, uh, I, I don't know that the people that are, uh, you know, implementing these different things understand the effects that they're having and how much, how much, how much stuff just doesn't ever happen that they don't ever see a permit because somebody got, 
part of the way into it and they're like, oh man, this is a mess. I'm not, I'm not doing this. Yeah. You know, all, or, or, you know, somebody hears me talking about these taxes and they're like, man, screw that. I'm not going to go buy yeah. something. I'm, I don't need that problem. You know, uh, these things, uh, I think they definitely, you know, have a, a wide reaching effect that isn't really calculated Often or realized. Too. You know, we, we've talked with Dutch more than once, and he's brought up the fact that there's got to be consolidation, right? And I know that sucks to talk about, but, I mean, let's be real. It's got to happen. Yeah. And so as the market changes, cars get more complex, expenses go up. It's going to be less viable for a technician to come in and just start a shop. I mean, I get that's American dream. I don't want that to go away. Please don't misunderstand. But I think that it's getting more and more complex. There's more and more moving pieces and so my message to technicians or somebody that wants to start a shop is if you are in a shop and you're making a good living right now, stick with it and grow into it. Maybe look at or go work for the the government. Oh, that's a good idea. Or <laughs> go work for the government. If go work for the federal government too. That never gets any smaller. I, I think for forever. I think we should encourage the growth of until the collapse of the country. Then we're all screwed. We're. we're but at least you'll have a sustainable, then consistent paycheck. Hang on, hang on, all hang, on. Way up until hang on, hang on. Get, get a good Rome enough paycheck burns. to be able to prepare for the government for Rome burning. Yeah, <laughs> you, you said something. I have to correct. Then we're all screwed. I think you can leave then out. <laughs> you know. You know, when the zombies come for you, you eventually are going to run out of bullets. As long as you're the last one to run out. Hey. <laughs> I, all right. I, I tell you, buddy, me me and you were in pretty good shape. I hear zombies like brains, so I guess we're just you know. Um I I personally believe that the direction to shop ownership should be through buying a shop from the owner. Right. And yeah. and moving, you know, I'm I'm really working hard in my shop to figure out how that path looks that we give them continued opportunity above and beyond. Like, you know, Eric, for instance. My technician, you know, I'm, I know I pick on him about being old, but, you know, he hurt his shoulder a while back and he's had little things and, and he's starting to get older. As an industry as a whole, we've not created a whole lot of opportunity to grow out of that technician role and into the service advisor role, into ownership or management or whatever it is. We've not given a whole lot of opportunity. And so when we talk about technician shortage, it's hard to say to somebody coming into this, you can't call this a career in a lot of ways, right? In my mind, yeah. a career is somewhere that I have something lifelong. Does that make it a job? So something to think about. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, well, in that same vein though, how many technicians do you know that didn't put any effort into putting themselves in a good position later, whenever their health yeah. was not what it was. To Nobody thinks about that though. Nobody thinks about that. I mean, they, they always think, oh, my, my back hurts and my neck hurts and my shoulder hurts. You know, I beat myself up. But, you know, yeah, I mean, at the time. But, I mean, I you know, I see older guys and, you know, some of them have built their knowledge up to a level that that's, that makes up for lack yeah. of physical ability. But some just don't ever care to think about it till it's too yeah. late. I, I've... I've got younger technicians. I've forced them. I, yeah. I force them. I, yeah. You know, hey, we're we're going to roll this thing out. You're going to put money into it. I've got a couple of them that have at least started Roth IRAs. Again, me pushing them. The other three are getting pushed towards that. That's and great. hey, hey, when you hit 45, 50, 
you're going to be sitting on a million plus. And yeah, if you bust her shoulder or whatever, you know, I, you'll be something. okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I heard somebody say the other day, they were talking about retirement and maybe it was Dave Ramsey, but he was like a million dollars is not what a million dollars once was. A million dollars is not the new sign of wealth. Mm-mm. Right, like no. cost of living's gone up. There's all of these things, and so we look at a million dollars. And I, I hear so many technicians. Right, we we talk about the arbitrary numbers. I want to earn a hundred thousand dollars a year. Why? I mean, what what does that number mean for you? What, what's your point here? Well, my point is, is what's that, wrong with a million dollars? I'm not. <laughs> oh, are you taking this personally? What's that? Are you taking this personally? No, I just don't see your point. Dumb is what I'm saying. My point. Your point is dumb. My point. A million is, dollars in the bank when you hurt your shoulder at fifty. Is better than having zero. Absolutely. Too, too many are hitting 50 with zero. Zero. That, that's Absolutely. my point. Yeah. That is exactly my point. That, that we say a million dollars. A million dollars is nothing. Now think about hurting your shoulder with zero and oh, spending yeah. the rest of your life. I mean, you redeemed yourself. It's cool. <laughs> you get my point, though, right? Like, yeah. How do you do that? I'm forcing mine. That's that's what I did. Like I, that's the only thing I can do to help at this yeah, point. We are, yeah, I offer a 401k at my shop, and it's not cheap to to do. And my guys utilize it, but I probably need to like sit down with them a little bit more. And yeah, and it's, say, it's hey, very much a like, it's very much a to. constant conversation in our shop. And not only that, I've told them. Like we, a couple of them have bought homes. The other three need to start looking at. It. But I told them, I said, you need to start looking at maybe moving towards multifamily and not necessarily you're going to buy just a single family house. If this is your first house, go buy a fourplex. Yeah. Go go buy an eightplex. Dump your money into that. Live in the apartment for a few years yeah, or whatever. Yeah. If you're a young and guy, then, yeah, you know, you're a young guy a and even a small family, you know, get a two bedroom apartment within the fourplex that you now own and collect the other rent and and then yeah set yourself up when you're 40 you've got this additional stream of income yeah, I, I would have loved to have that advice yeah. at that exactly yeah, me, me, me and that's what i tell them i'm like yeah. hey you're in a fantastic situation that if 10 years ago i had known this and been more intentional about it i was making good money 10 years ago yeah and if I had been more intentional about how I was spending my money that I was making 10 years ago, I'd be in a much better situation now yeah. rather than be a shop owner with no hair. <laughs> I think you still would have had no hair. Probably. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. If you'd like to catch these episodes early, you can do so by becoming a patron. Just go to asog.site and click on the Become a Patron Now button. Becoming a patron helps support the show, gets you several perks, and is tax-deductible. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and on YouTube so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot me an email. My email address is david at asog.site. That's D-A-V-I-D at A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E. Until next time.
I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean, easy-to-use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to GetShopware.com and see what I mean today. That's GetShopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.